With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions. And you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. Right Night is a talk show with published authors, writers, and content creators discussing both the creative and technical sides of writing, as well as the industry surrounding it, from novels to screenplays to comics and more. And now, here's your host, author Travis I. Sivart. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. Tis the season for those irresistible ginger thins, cozy blankets for cuddling by the fire, and making home warm and welcoming. For one-stop holiday shopping, visit your local IKEA or ikea-usa.com slash holiday. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Write Night. Tonight's topic is covers, and uh, I'm Travis Isivart, author of incredible series, Tara's heard this all before. Look at her face. Incredible series <laughs> such as Portals and uh, Silver and Smith. You can find me by a simple Google search or going on to Amazon. Now, let me introduce these other two or actually have them introduce themselves. And while they're doing that, guys, let us know right here in chat what you're reading, writing, or creating. Robert, can we start with you? We can. Hey, everybody. My name is Robert Turk. I am an author and role-playing game designer. Uh, my publishing company is Wicked Clever, uh, and I write all sorts of books and, and uh, role-playing games. And passing it over to Tara. Hey, good evening. This is Tara Moeller. I am Dreamer-in-Chief at Dreampunk Press. I am also a published author. I have, uh, right under the pen name, E.G. Gaddis. Please check out the latest, The Mechanics of Life. And you can read the first chapters um, from at greenpuffpress.com. 
And then a quick little public service announcement while everybody types out what they're reading, writing, or creating. It's I do want to remind chat that we are recording a podcast live with you as our interactive audience. So if you have questions or comments, throw them into chat. And as long as they're either A, amusing, or B, relevant, they'll probably get read off on air. For anybody listening on a podcast, I do want to let you guys know that we do have a live and interactive chat audience if you didn't pick up on what I was just saying. If you guys hear this noise... That means Travis wants to read some comments and he wants to interrupt somebody to do it. So you hear that bell. If you'll make way for a quick comment or a long comment, I'd much appreciate it. I think that's all the uh, preface we need. So let's cover covers. It's uh, If somebody said, what's the one thing you can tell me about a book cover that a author should know? Tara, what would you tell them? One thing. Gotta catch attention. Okay, Robert. Gotta catch immediately. Um, a, a cover is a place you can spend your money and consider it well spent. You have to have a, a good looking cover. Um, a, a, a book catches my eye. If I don't know an author, I, if I don't have never heard of them before, it's the cover that draws me in. And if it's a crappy cover, I'm just gonna walk past it. Very good. Now, either of you want to expand on those two thoughts there? So, uh, Tara, yours was... Well, th- this allows us to blow it up now. I, I just wanted that one quick punch point of advice. Tara? So, do the research on the genre that you're writing in. Um, I'm going to talk real brief. A lot of what Dream Punk Press puts out is young adults. So we go take a look at what other publishing companies are putting out and just so that it, it helps um, identify that it's a YA book, but then don't copy it exactly. You got to kind of still put your own spin on the cover. Absolutely. Um, if I can jump in there for a second, I... I recently, uh, last year, maybe the year before, the pandemic squished all time together on me, uh, published my first middle grade novel. And it was not something I had ever published before. So when I was researching what I wanted my cover to look like, because I'm not in the habit as a forty mid 40 year old man of reading middle grade novels, um, I went and I looked at what are my kids reading on their bookshelf? What are they bringing home from the library? And I went to the local librarian and I looked at the cupboard and I found the ones that I was like, oh, my kids would like this style. My kids would like this style. My kids would like this style. So I set a palette in my mind uh, and on Pinterest probably of what a cover in that genre should look like. So you just said my kids would like this style. How do you know or is that in your mind what they would like or did they go, I like that style? Um, I can look at the ones they're reading and right. ask them. I mean, that's the easy answer. I, I was just curious, did you put of, this together in your head or did you actually drag your kids going, hey, which cover makes you guys want to grab it? Oh, so I didn't do that with books. But when I was looking at artists, I did ask my kids, hey, looking between these artists, which one do you like the best? And and didn't give any parameters. So, 
Uh, but they were all sort of like in the in the world of my book. Right. Okay, let me ask you guys this. Now, Robert, you've been publishing how many years? Too many. Okay, and Tara? Between seven and ten. Okay, and Tara? Nine. Okay. So, what's your biggest change in covers from your first and second cover to your most recent one or two covers? What, in other words, in that time, what do you learn that you changed or don't do or the technology changed or whatever? By the way, a quick thing before you answer, I am drinking Writer's Tears. It's an Irish whiskey, a copper pot <laughs> Irish whiskey, and I just figured I'd mention that. I'm going to try to make it a regular staple on at least this show, if not the next two shows after this one. I'm drinking Pepsi because if I drink alcohol, uh, you're going to lose me. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to make a special show um, called Hemingway, right? Drunk, edit, sober. Tar up. Highlighted. I <laughs> sleep. And, and since we're talking about it, I actually mix things up tonight, and I'm drinking spiced rum with just a splash of peanut butter whiskey because I wanted to see how they blended together. What kind of spiced rum? Bacardi. It used to be known as Oakheart, which I liked it when it was Oakheart. They just changed the name. It, the formula is still the same. So it's not... My favorite spice drum ever, but I find it blends well with things. I don't know, Tara. It sounds like he's defending it a whole lot right there. <laughs> I okay. don't know. He, he, he won me a peanut butter. Was that peanut butter whiskey? Or? Yes. Screwball peanut butter whiskey. It's my <laughs> new favorite thing. Hold on while I yank the reins and put us back on the covers. We can discuss that after the show, though. Definitely discuss that after the show. Make a note. Tara, biggest change or thing you've learned? I hand things over to Momo. Um, Do not hand <laughs> things. Rainbow Press has a graphic specialist okay. that um, does a lot of the covers, and I usually say I have an idea of what a cover should be, or the other author has an idea in their head, and then you know my recommendation always to the authors are. Give the ideas to our, our graphic person. You know, let the artist do their thing. Now, this, our artist, our graphics person has been doing a lot and just redid a lot of our covers. Oh, really? um, when we published the last in the Dumpire Chronicles, we redid all the covers for the, the trilogy. Now, it's the same art. It's the same basic look and feel but we standardized the fonts on the covers to help emphasize that you know when the first book was published it was one book wasn't planning on a second book wasn't planning on a third book until um i had people who read the first book go oh are you going to tell us are, are we going to learn about edwin i'm like i can tell you about edwin so one of the big things is that, that I've learned is that if you're writing a series, if you're writing a trilogy, you have to have a certain amount of consistency in, in the books, in the covers, to help um, unify them. And it's something I'd never, you know, I, I'm in the back of my head, I knew it. Um, because when you would go in and you would see, you know, a trilogy or a series, there was 
consistency. Um, but it wasn't something that, you know, flashed and went, oh, we're all the same, we're all the same, because they were, were different enough. Um, so I think that's that's a, that's a big thing that I personally have learned is that if it's going to be a trilogy, a duology even, um, or a series, is, is you need consistency within that set. You know, I, I learned that in my early to mid-teens by reading the Dragonlance Chronicles. Oh, yeah. They look um, like they belong together. They do, versus the Piers Anthony Xanth books that were just, again, depending which cover version you got and whatnot. Yeah. Okay, so... Robert, what about you over the past seven to ten years? What's the biggest change or the biggest thing you've learned that you don't do anymore? Sure. Um, well, my first couple of covers for the Gandersnitch books, Completely Inappropriate Tales of Gandersnitch the Goblin, and then How Gandersnitch the Goblin Almost Saved Christmas, um, I did not have a cover budget. So I, I have a designer's eye. I have an artistic eye, and I know enough graphic design that I relied heavily on font to catch your attention, draw you in, the cover looks interesting, the title is interesting. And there was a textured background. I think the first Gandersnitch book had like a brown, leathery looking texture right. with something going on over top of it. I found some old Victorian stamps and essentially faded them out. So it was an interesting cover, but what grabbed you was the font was the title and you were like i want to know more because that's what caught my eye now in in my production life i have budgets so i can hire artists to put good art on the cover um and let that draw people in more than big fonts and an artist, um, artistic eye yeah so, uh, yeah, so now I, I let, I mean, I still have to do the layout and the design of the cover on top of the art that the artists give right. me, but um, I, can, I can now hire professionals to give me cover art. Very good. Andrea in chat asked, what's the main thing you would say to do and don't do when creating a cover? They're thinking. About <laughs> well, Go ahead, I got one. Um, unless you are a big published author, and I'm talking Stephen King, J.K. Rowling, you know, the, the big guns, your name on that cover is not the most important thing. It might be to you. It might be to your mom. But the title and the art is way more important. I, I, I have picked up so many books that I thought the title was the author's name because there it is huge big it's the it's the thing that draws your eye and then it's like where the hell what's the name of this book and you don't know um so that would be my thing you know it, your name is not the most important thing on that cover by the way uh, before i let tara jump in on this i remember when george R. R. martin came out with i don't know the third damn edition of the covers of the ice and fire series and uh, it was like, here's a sword on a red background. Here's a chair on a gold background. Here's a goblet on a silver. I hated him. I have no interest in reading the book from that cover. I don't care how big he is. 
or how famous he is. Either one. Diet or popularity doesn't matter to me. Just saying. I don't care how yeah. big you are. Get a get a better cover. Get an interesting cover. Tara? So, when you go out and decide to commission someone to do art for you, so you're you're getting a little bit you, you you're you're getting a little bit of a budget. Um, <clears throat> you can spend two hundred dollars. You can spend a thousand dollars. Okay. If you're not, it, watch your budget because you know a two hundred dollar piece of art might actually work better for your cover than a thousand dollar piece of art. Something. Um, sorry, go ahead. And make sure when you're commissioning this artist that they know how to make art for a book cover. Absolutely. The art cannot fill the entire page. You cannot have detail everywhere. You need place to put the title. Right. You need a place to put the author's name. Also. And it needs to be, it can't be square. Right. And also, if it's going to have a figure or anything on it and you're going to do a wraparound cover, that figure needs to be on the right two-fifths. Oh, yeah. <laughs> two-fifths. Not the right third, not the right half, the right two-fifths. Um, or if it's on the left, it's got to be able to be flipped and reversed. Um, right. So, yeah, it definitely makes a difference there. And a few comments here. Um, Wordwin says, get thumbnails and sketches. Tell them what you like and don't like. Provide examples, many, many examples. You're paying the money. Make sure they give you what you want. And here's what I'll say to that. A good artist is going to be able to work with you, and hopefully you'll be able to work with a good artist. So many people come out and they go, I want, I've done this, by the way. I want a billion details in this cover. An artist should be, I get it. I understand what you're asking for, but you're going to lose everything. That artist should be able to artistically guide somebody who's a wordsmith instead of a artsmith. So have the discussion, open the discussion, and hopefully, well, like anything, the relationship with the other person you're working with will make the difference. Um, now, what about, yeah. did, did either of you, and I'll let you comment on that in a second, but also lead into, did you guys say what not to do with the cover? I sort of covered both. Okay. Don't, don't put your name in huge font. That's not the important thing. Right. But, uh, Makes sense. Um, I would say what not, to, okay, what to do. That was my what not to do. What to do on a cover is start from a template. And if you're self-publishing, all of the big companies will provide you with a template ready to go that puts your guidelines and everything else in there. And make sure you get the right template because if you're doing a cover for a hardback book, those are different dimensions than a softback book or a paperback and you're gonna have wraparound. So that figure that you may have thought, oh, this looks great, it's perfectly centered, actually shifts half an inch to an inch towards the spine because you didn't count for wraparound. So start with a template. 
you you will save so much time and frustration. And if you're working with a cover artist, give them that template and urge them to use it. Very good. Or if you're using if, if you found an artist who knows how to do covers, okay. Um, <clears throat> Morvin doesn't really use a template. Morvin has made their own template and they yeah. understand how to calculate spine width. If you're going to someone and they are an artist who says they know how to do covers, if they do not ask you how many pages <laughs> are going to be in your book at the size that you are printing, meaning if you're printing a six by nine book, how many pages are going to be in that six by nine book? Run in the other direction. They don't understand covers. Maybe they understand covers for eBooks, and but that's they very do not understand covers for hard copy. And also, if you're doing the hard cover, it's important to have that. And you, it, it's very important to get your your spine calculated properly. Also, when you're working with somebody, not only the spine for the hardback, which is different for the paperback and the ebook that doesn't even have one, so you have to have a good. Sorry, that's a cat stepping on the bell. Um, wants to say something, but also while you're there working with that artist, even if you're not doing it right now, get that square square cover shot with the title and your name on it for two reasons. A, a lot of social media works with squares. B, if you do an audiobook down the road, instead of having to cheap-ass crop your cover where you're going to lose something and then try to refit the words on in the right place in the right way, have them do all of it at the same time. There was another question here. Um, actually, it's prefaced by a comment. I got a book at the thrift store because the cover caught my eye. I read it and then purchased the other seven books in the series. An interesting cover with a good font is important in my opinion. Violet underscore Ivy cheered. X100. Hey, I, or Violet Ivy, good to see you. Thank you for supporting the channel. And pardon us, we are recording the, uh, what are we doing? Podcast. So bear with us as we go on with this. Uh, colors or fonts that work and ones that should be avoided, says Andrea after commenting on the good font and an interesting cover. Make sure it's a readable font. Yeah. Define that better because they're all readable on a oh. white page, aren't they? <laughs> so I have seen a lot of fantasy, magical story, you know, YA and new adult covers lately. And they have so many tales and squirrels and there's some of them, I, you look at it and I cannot figure out what the title is freaking saying. Mm -hmm. um, while it's pretty, and yes, it kind of helps relay the idea of fantasy and magic and Romance whatnot whatever, yeah. for, your, for your, the story that's inside. 
if someone can't read the title or you're, you know, there's just too many swirls that it starts looking like extra S's and Q's and please, I'm going to put it down. My kid's going to put it down. Okay. You got to, you've got to balance there. I get swirlies are a big thing right now, but you know, here's what I'm going to say. Somebody's going to look at it and say it's beautiful and they're not wrong. But most people are going to look at it and go, I don't know what that says. It's confusing me right now. I don't care how pretty that cover is. I, 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 You've got and they're going to walk away. Like five seconds, five seconds to sell somebody on the cover. They'll pick it up because it's pretty. If they can't read the title, it's going to go back on the shelf and they're going to pick up the next book. Yes. And a, and a good guide with that, you know what your title is. So just because you can read it doesn't mean it's a legible font. Have other people look at it and and ask them not what do you think of this. Show them what you're thinking and say, what does this say? And, and listen to them. <laughs> because if they say something different than what you think it says, unfortunately, they're right and you're wrong. <laughs> you need to fix that. And this goes across... Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. This goes across the board, not just swirlies and all that stuff, which, by the way, every time somebody says swirl, I hear squirrel. Just saying. Um, not just the, the swept scripts and the thin scripts, but really any script you can't read, any font you can't read, which might be the letters are too thin, the letters are too fat, the letters bleed. You've got to look at this across the board and try to get that moderate font that gives you the swirling impression or the impact block impression or the neon sign impression. But I, I love, there's certain books I want to put a neon sign on. Matter of fact, you know what? Here on the live stream, if you look at the right night logo, it's done like neon. But to put that on a book cover with the bleed that it has and whatnot, you'd have to reconsider. And we went through many fonts with this before finally deciding on this one looks understandable while giving the right impression. Um, so, yeah, you got to be so, really – go ahead. Uh, Andrea asked – the start of this whole conversation um, – fonts you shouldn't use or colors that should be avoided. Right. I personally – um, I think there's there's no such thing as a wrong font. There's a wrong font for your book. Um, you can you can make if if a font fits. Like some people might say, you know, never use the typewriter font. But if your book is about a character writing a screenplay, it works. Like think adaptation. That's the typewriter font, and it's a great font for that book. Um, a book that I love that's a middle grade book, Frog Kisser. It has one swirl in the F. It's a beautiful, gilded, it makes kids want to pick it up because it's magical. There's a swirl in there. You don't have to avoid all swirls. You just, there's fonts for every story. What I find myself is I never use an off-the-shelf font. There's easy ways to tweak it, to change the kerning, to change the spacing, the width and the height of the letters, squish them together. Making a, a title using a font on a cover is graphic design. And if you're just using the off the shelf, 
meant for reading on a page kind of font, you're not going to get the most out of that. Um, I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's, let's, uh, we, we've hit a lot of the questions. Let's, well, we got one more question here. Um, by the way, which is door says I have this OCD issue where I have to have a certain type of font for certain stories sometimes. Yeah, I think we all do. We've got a creative idea of what links our words to a visual medium. And beyond that, the cover after it. Um, Andrea also threw an opinion about author photo on the back cover. Should you put inside last page? And we'll get to that in one moment here. But after we answer these couple of things, I really want to open it up to our individual wisdom and experience, to the things that we wish we had known or want to help people or tell people. Our go-to bucket of advice when somebody says, oh, cover, and what falls out of our mouths. But first, let's start picture or no picture, or where does the picture go, or is it required? Author picture, yes or no? Author picture, oh. What's that? I I don't use I'm sorry, you both spoke at the same time. Let's start with Tara. I said it's not required. And, um, it's my opinion. I don't uh-huh. think it's required. Robert? I don't do it because that would be, especially inside the back cover, that's a printing cost. That <laughs> printing on the inside of your cover, that's not needed. That's, that's money that I'm not big enough. As many books as I sell in a year, I'm not big enough to spend money on that. Um, does it look cool? Do I like seeing what some of my favorite authors look like? Occasionally, uh, especially when I think the person that's writing is a guy and they turn out to be a girl. Um, that's always kind of nifty. Um, but I, I don't I don't know that it's needed. 30 years ago, it was very cool to get a picture of your author because we didn't have the Internet like we do now. We have the Internet now. It is not required or, in my opinion, even necessarily recommended to put your picture up there. Because, frankly, most readers, until you're big and famous and popular or their favorite author, even if you're teeny and, and niche, nobody cares. They, <coughs> they didn't pick up the book to look at my face. They picked up the book to read a story, interesting cover, a good font that blended well, or whatever. But, uh... Yeah, and, and my opinion is if they want to see my picture, they can come stalk me on social media like a normal person. There you go. Now. And that's what I kind of wanted to bring up a little bit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because um, Robert mentioned, you know, he thinks it's me when he realizes that an author he thought was male is actually female. Um, and in some genres, if, if you're writing romance and you have a feminine sounding name, you're probably good. If you're a guy writing romance, you probably want a feminine sounding pen name. Yep. You don't want your picture on the back with a feminine, if you're male, <laughs> and you have a feminine sounding pen name. And in some genres, you know what? I, I you're think, a female. If I may. <laughs> yep. Unless you're writing gay romance, then maybe it's okay. Oh, okay. Yes. And I'm going to clarify yes. that right there because yes. the world Thank has you. opened a lot. And sorry to interrupt, but and I realize that's obvious, especially to us that we discuss this. Tara, you were not slighting anybody. You were just rolling. And I get that. But I felt like I, I, I had to interrupt. Go on, please. 
No, that 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 is a good point. I was specifically addressing cishet romance. Right, right, and I got that. But women for women, uh, yes. But Dreampunk Press, I really should have qualified that better. <laughs> um, but for some genres, for say military sci-fi, yeah, romance. If you if you have there's 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 a presumption that it will be written by men who are probably formerly in the military, in which case, hey, put your old military picture on there if it's been approved for release. But and so that's why a lot of times when you you have an author name, it's initials and a last name. Right. Um, so. When, um, and I guess the point I'm kind of trying to make is if you if you want your picture on it on, on the back of the book, go for it. Just understand there can be implications for your potential readers. There are there are men who will read military sci-fi only if it's written by men. If they pick it up and they see their feminine author name or a girl's picture on the female picture on the back they're going to put it back on the shelf but just reality that's with a certain generation with the newer generation and of course some of the mod- people across the board that's a generalization and a stereotype of a yeah. reader but i think in this changing world not all the time but it might create an interesting niche if you're writing het cis romance and you're a male Put your male picture on it. You might garner a little extra attention because of that. Just like if you're writing military sci-fi and you're a female. Though I, I really feel like the military sci-fi for a female – and maybe I'm deluded. Maybe I'm just extra hopeful. I feel like that stereotype is being eroded away. Just be prepared for yeah. the possibility right. of – if you're on social media, they will come find you. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I, I went on a couple of, of Twitter feeds, and yeah. It'll um, happen. Yeah. Some men do not like their, what they consider their space being invaded that way. And just, you know, be prepared and ready and think about it before... You do that because you've got to be ready. I have a if review you're not ready. on a steampunk book of mine that says, got this book for free, didn't bother to read it. I don't think steampunk should be a genre. I picked it up by mistake. One star. <laughs> the bottom line is assholes exist everywhere. And one of yeah. them is going to pop up and get in your space. It's going to happen. Whether you're huge or small, whether you're doing everything right or everything wrong – it's going to come down at some point. So I, what I would say to all of that yeah. is is be intentional with your choices. Yes. Okay? If, yeah. if you are writing off genre and you want to use your real name, own that choice and make it work for you. If you want your picture back there for whatever crazy reason, own it and make it work for you. It's your book. It might not be standard practice, but that doesn't mean you can't. Correct. Do it. Um, Andrea brought up a very good question. What about other types of books, not just storybooks? And what I can say 
um, seeing academic books, design books, and things like that, it does seem, or it used to be standard practice, to include a picture of the author in a more academic piece. Um, Werdewin says in a tech book, you don't put your photo on it. Um, so, and, and most crafting books have a photo on it. So it kind of, it depends, you know, what are you writing for? Novels, short stories, they don't need them. But five or 10 years ago, again, you couldn't grab that author's name and Google and get 50 pictures of them. Now you can. So it might be viable and it might be reasonable to put it on there even now, but it's not required. Yeah. If there's pictures of you out there, they will come. They will find you. (laughs) They're going to find you. They will steal your picture and put a mustache on. It's not a sale slash no sale kind of thing, whether you have your author picture on the back or not. So going back to your bucket of experience and advice when it comes to book covers. So, Tara, I know you wanted – we talked a little bit before the show. You definitely want to talk about some of the costs and – and contracts and stuff like that. Robert, you mentioned specifically how it looks on a shelf. I want to make sure we hit these points. But before we get to those specific points that you guys went, I make I want to make sure we hit this one. Somebody walks up and asks you about what's your general advice? What's your general go-to dissertation on it? And we have about 10 minutes left. Or we bust the uh, show barrier and, and roll past it, so... Just so you guys know where we're at. Who wants um, to So sum up, sum up all the points in five minutes and then pass it over to Tara. Plus the other thing you wanted to touch on. Go. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, if somebody were to come up to me and ask, what's my general advice on a cover? Um, it would be know your limitations. And that's on anything to do with self-publishing. Know your limitations and don't be afraid to hire an expert. You can't do it all. Uh, wear as many hats as you can and then get a professional. If you can't do the design and the layout, um, hire somebody to do it. If you go, if you have to go to a website and buy a pre-made cover from an artist for 50 bucks, if that's what you can get, do it. So, uh, make, be, be, be deliberate with your position, with your choices and, and pass off the things you cannot do. Um, so what I wanted to say about shelf position, because this is something I was not aware of, uh, when I first started writing specifically, it applies to role-playing games and the covers on those books. Uh, I was doing it instinctually on my novels and short stories without realizing it. Cause I was looking at what I liked and, and sort of mimicking that this is what a book should look like. I better make sure my book looks like this, but you have zero control of how your book is displayed in a store. Now, it's your own booth at a convention, on your website, on an ebook, that's 100% your control. But in a physical format in a store, you have zero control. Oftentimes, your book is gonna be shoved in a shelf vertically with a whole bunch of other books. So you wanna make sure that that spine title is catchy and easy to read. And really, you don't have a whole lot else on there maybe a small publishing logo, maybe your last name, but you want that title and it's gotta be in a font that grabs them and pulls them in so that it stands out from the books on either side. If your book is facing out on a shelf, there may actually be another book in front of it. So you tend to want 
your title at the top so that if they stack books two or three deep in a tier, you can read the titles. And on my first role-playing games, I put the titles at the bottom because it looked better. And I had some store owners complain that they said, we can only put your, your book in the front of our shelves or else nobody's going to buy it because they don't know what it is. Cha-ching. And well part done. of me's like, I'm like, part of me's like, that's awesome. So my book's always in the front. It's not always going to be in the front. And if my book gets placed in the back, it doesn't get sold because nobody knows what it is. Um, so that's what I wanted to say on, on shelf placement. Make sure that your book catches the eye, even if you're just looking at it from the side, even if you're just looking at the top half or the top third of the cover, that's your real estate space that needs to needs to be recognized. And by the way, um, by eye catching, once again, to clarify, a very easy to read font on that spine. If it's yes. fancy, that's fine, but functionality over fancy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and then my last thing before tossing it over to Tara, and I think this will sort of tie into what she wants to talk about, is um, how to find those cover artists. And when you hire a cover artist, an editor, uh, anybody that's working on your book, a layout artist, and yes, you can actually hire layout artists to do the design aspects of your book. That's a business arrangement. That needs a contract. And if you don't know how to write a contract, that's okay. There's this thing called the internet and you can find all sorts of pre-written contracts ready to go for just about everything. An off-the-shelf contract is fine your first couple of times. Um, a trap that I have fallen in with cover contracts is approaching artists that don't normally do covers but i really love their art and i know it will work for this they are generalizing here there are a lot of artists out there that are not used to working for hire which is what you want when you're paying for a cover uh, and what that means is you pay the artist you assume the rights you own it because they got paid for it there's all sorts of other things you can do licensing and whatnot and I have licensed art for covers before because I really wanted this artist to work on it. And artists are taught in art school, oh no, work for hire bad, all right? Own the rights to your art. And in most things that makes sense. In publishing, it doesn't make any damn sense, all right? They don't need to own this cover that they did for you for 200, 300, 400 bucks. You give them the right to make prints of it. You give them the right to use it in their portfolio. You, you basically share rights, but you can use it on your book in perpetuity as long as you're publishing that book. I've and, licensed And not just your covers. books, but your coffee cups, your postcards, your Correct. prints, your T-shirts, and so on. You give full rights. You just give them the ability to kind of do the same marketing stuff, but never to sell it to another person for a book cover. Correct. Correct. Um I have licensed and one cover the license to come up and because of the pandemic I haven't sold as many copies of that book as I had wanted to um, so I'm about to have to relicense a cover that hasn't made me a whole lot of money but it's a great cover go ahead Travis yeah this is going back no, to something just... Tara or not Tara Tara you've been on with Aaron Aaron would say this Keep in mind, everything you spend to publish a book, and even if you're going 
Amazon where you're like, oh, I didn't pay it a thing. You did pay a thing. If you took minimum wage and counted how many hours it took you to write, edit, next draft, design the cover, find cover art, pay for cover art, even if you're doing it all yourself with all the different hats, add all that up. Quick hello and thank you to oh, Gary. Thank you for that yeah. subscription. Good to see you. Here's to you. Um, Garden just subscribed. But if Here's you guys you. look Good. at Good how friends. much you spend to put a book together... And then look at how much profit you get from that book. How many books do you have to sell to match that $50 or $5,000 to just get that base book out, depending how crazy you yep. went or how reserved you were? Yeah. And we all have a dream of selling, oh, I don't have a big dream. I just like to sell 1,000 copies. Yeah, good luck with that. That might take you 10 years or never, or it might happen the first two weeks. Right. You don't know, but you have to understand that is money loss. And to recoup those losses, to show that value of the cover and all this other work, takes time. Tara, why don't you take the dance floor and bust a move here? Um. So one of the things I wanted to bring up, and I kind of touched on it earlier, is cost. You can spend $200, you can spend $1,000. If you're gonna spend $1,000 on cover art, number one, you should be spending that on the entire freaking cover, including format, having the, the spine. Don't, don't, don't spend that and just get the art. And, and I don't if care I, how good it is. If I may also, that artist should also perhaps provide you with an ebook cover, the audiobook cover, everything for that. Now, you can go spend $12,000 on cover art. You can spend as much as you want. But once you're getting over $600, you should be getting a custom piece with that artist doing the formatting with the template thing that we mentioned early for all yes. the versions of the book. Even if you're like, well, I'm just doing an ebook, shut up. Make them do a soft cover. Make them do a hard cover. Do the page count thing. Have it there. Yes. I mean, and if you do decide, I'm only doing an ebook. Like you said, you want square for for Instagram. Hmm. You want the dimensions. You want something that's long and wide for your girlfriend. Um, for your Facebook cover. I was close. okay. Have them do that, especially if there's that money. But know who you're getting. It, they might do lovely art. I have an author. And this is, and I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name titles. I'm just going to really briefly give you this, the synopsis. It, they spent almost $1,000 for art for their first book. Then came to us and said, oh, hey, we'd like to publish that. Da, da, da. And I'm like, sure, let's talk over. Oh, I've got that covered. No, they had the art. They spent almost a thousand dollars on a square piece of art that was not appropriate for a book cover. Because the was character no was huge and in the center. <laughs> there was detail everywhere. And yes, it was a beautiful piece of artwork, but not really what is required for a book. And then our graphics person Morvan had to take this square piece of art somehow adapt it because there were specific details in that outside 
outside of this, like we had to take and fit it to a six by nine, which is not a square. And then also within that find somewhere. That's for anybody title. really bad at math. Tara's helping you out. Not a square. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm the English major. It's remember, true. I got to remind myself. No place to put it. The, 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 the author's name. And then figure out a back cover because there was nothing for it. So it, we reversed it and blurred it and whatnot. But I mean, if you're paying that much money, you should be going to someone who does art for book covers and knows how to do that art, which means they're going to leave room for your for your title and for the author. And they're, the, they're, they're going to leave room for that. And they're probably also going to say, hey, you want bookmark art? You want your, you know, the right. wide thing for right. Facebook and you want something square for Instagram? Because you know what? That's that's little extra stuff. But what? As an author, you don't usually realize is that the files that you get for either an ebook, right? You get an, something that is specifically for an ebook. You cannot use that for a print cover. Also, it will not have the proper resolution. When you, and if you get something that is the full big front, back cover, and spine, you need a proper application to pull just the front cover off and make it small enough to upload for eBooks. And if you're just starting off, you don't know this, which is why go do a search on Google, self-published book covers. There are lots of folks out there who know what they're doing and will give you good stuff for like 300 bucks. Couple other things to keep in mind. Learn the basics of an art program so once you have that cover, you can drop it down to a smaller file size so you can put it on your social media. There are also places and artists you can go find on the internet. Tara, mute yourself, please. I'm getting a feedback. Thank you. Um, there are places online you can go and buy pre-made book covers that you just slap that title on, and you're going to pay... 50 bucks to 300 bucks for it, which is reasonable, but they have the ability to sell that cover again to somebody else quite often. That's in the contract. So, not always, though. Not always, and that's where I'm heading for this. And, Tara, go to unmute yourself. Once you've muted yourself for like two or three seconds, generally it, it, it cuts the echo feedback thing. So it should be okay now. But, yeah, be wary of the contract. And by wary, I mean aware. Not afraid, just read the fucking manual read the fine print know what you're getting into and when you screw up on that first one or that third one don't get pissed fix the next one even if it means you got to eat that money because i had to do this on one of my first book covers love the art by the way it wasn't great art for a book cover because it's way too detailed as we've mentioned but love the art and then that artist came back at me because every time I posted it to Facebook going, I published my first book, I was not mentioning the artist's name. And they attacked me for it publicly and privately. And I went, you know what? Let's eat that money. I will never use this person's art again. And you learn. You make that next contract a little better, a little more clear, a little more concise. Okay, closing. Well, Go ahead, Robert. Fine artists. There are some amazing fine artists out there. I'm friends with so many artists. 
that are not book artists. And I and I have gone to one of them. Uh, I was like, I know her art would be perfect for my next project. And I got a quote and it was $2,000 because <laughs> in her mind, in her mind, she's creating this oil painting, right? It's a custom oil painting commission. And that's what she would charge a client. It's not a book cover. She is an amazing artist, but she's not the only artist. Right. And she's not the only one that does that style. A good artist, and, and you got to find them that work in the style. But I ended up going with somebody else that did their own art, but they used the same medium. So it got that sort of feel I was going for. And I paid way less than $2,000. Um, and they were happy to do it because they're not creating a giant oil painting. They're not looking at it in the same frame of mind. So it's not to say that, that artists that want to charge you all this are, are bad. They're amazing artists. They're just not book cover artists. Now, they're working I'm gonna, in a different world. I'm going to cut you off here, guys. We need to do a whole other show on handling artists. Because yeah, I'm suddenly wanting to follow in Robert's footsteps here and talk about this and this and this. But that's not for tonight. Let's get any final thoughts, recaps, or things you feel you missed. Get about 30 to 90 seconds each, and then we're going to do the outro and call it a wrap on this show. Robert? I would say you absolutely can judge a book by its cover. I do. When I walk by a bookstore, when I walk by a library, if the cover doesn't catch me, I'm not buying it. If it looks sloppy or unprofessional, I expect the inside to be the same. It's not worth my money. So get a good cover. Tara? Don't be afraid of pre-mades. Please go out there. You can find some really, really great ones. You can find ones where they've already got it set up for a trilogy. And you can get packages where they give you for a ebook for your heart, you know, your physical copy your paperback, and a square one for your audiobook. Yes. And, and it's not, they understand that's just a repackaging of what they've already done. Don't be afraid of pre-meets. Just make sure you know what you're getting and check for that, that they're not going to, usually there's an upcharge, that they're not going to sell that cover um, to another author. Okay. You can do it. And I'm going to go to the business side, folks. Besides, realize what it takes to recover the money you put into your book. Contract, contract, contracts. Contracts, contracts, contracts. And if you're doing an artist and then you're doing a design person and then you're doing a formatter and an editor, contract. Realize what you're paying for. Get what you're paying for. And learn when you fuck it up. And fix it next time. <laughs> that, it's, it's as simple as that. Life happens. Don't get frustrated. You know, have a moment to, to swear and stomp around the room and then get over it and, and be ready to do it better next time. Okay. Want to thank everybody here. Let me check the mailbag real quick. I don't think we have anything, but you know, sometimes things come in when I'm not looking. Um, let me pop over here. Now, if you guys do want to email us, you can email us at rightnightshow at gmail.com. That's right, W-R-I-T-E, night, N-I-G-H-T, show at gmail.com with shows you like to hear or, or topics you'd like to us to talk about. Um, you can ask questions, put your thoughts in on certain things, etc. Just send a birthday message or a well wish to somebody you adore. 
Could be Robert, could be Tara, could be me. Hard to say. Um, and then I want to thank everybody for supporting Right Night by hanging out in chat, downloading and sharing the podcast in different places, as well as everybody here on twitch.tv slash Travis Tavern Talk who supports us by subscribing, following, throwing bits, hosting, picking up merchandise, and all the other things you incredible people incredible people do now let's let cogsley take it away with our outro and we will catch you on the next episode of right night thank you for joining author travis i sivart and the other writers content creators and all around amazing people for our discussion here on right night Join us again soon, and until you do, make sure you create with passion, enjoy the journey, and remember, every night can be right now. So we're here at Marshall's with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She's got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for Jason. And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift. Wait a sec. <gasps> She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally. Happy holidays, everyone. See you at Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at, at Marshall's. Marshall's.